Welcome to the SLP Talk Show. Real talk with Carrie about stuff that really matters. Hey, it's Carrie, your fast-talking, speech-therapy-loving host. While you are driving, cleaning, exercising, or whatever it is you do while listening to podcasts, I'm going to be chatting about pediatric speech therapy stuff. But I don't want our time together to feel like work or be boring. You already work enough, and you already have enough boring stuff to do in your life. So let's get going and have some fun. Hello, and welcome to episode 40 of SLP Talk Show. I'm Carrie, pediatric speech language pathologist. I am here with my favorite person, Jim. Hello, hello. I'm just a guy. No, no, no. Just a man. Not just a guy. Not just a guy. Jim is my amazing husband. Almost our 30-year anniversary. Wow. I know, right? We can it makes talk me about feel that. old. I know. Well, we are kind of old. Uh, but Jim is also what I refer to as an honorary speech-language pathologist. Yep. Yep. You know got, a lot. I got my uh, degree from Cary <laughs> Ebert University. <laughs> we talk speech therapy a lot in our house, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah. So um, anyways, life has been... Busy, busy, busy here in the Ebert house. Our son, Aaron, graduated from high school right, uh, yeah. last week. It was and amazing. It was, oh, it was amazing. It was mm, just such a such a neat experience. He was very proud of himself, as he should be. And our daughter, Allison, is getting married next week. So we are beyond busy. Yeah, yeah it's, there's been a lot of stuff to do. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. But we took time to record this episode because it is May and May is Apraxia Awareness Month. So today I just thought we'd do a quick chat about what parents need to know about apraxia. But before we get down to business, we of course need to do a quick game of chump or champ. Chump, champ, champ, chump. So Mr. Ebert, are you feeling lucky today? Um, Yes. Okay. Positive, yes, right? Yes, I'm feeling good. Okay, here we go. Question number one. We're doing be, four questions. Be kind. Be kind. These are. You're going to do well. Okay. I have I have great right. confidence in you. Question number one. What does the abbreviation R and B stand for in music? Rhythm and blues. Ding, 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 ding. What is the name of the miniature trees grown in pots that are popular in Japan? Bonsai. Ding, ding, ding. Does that remind you of Karate Kid? Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, we kind of date ourselves here. What country is famous for Heineken beer? Um, shoot. Is it the Netherlands? You are right. Wow. Ding, ding, ding. You pulled that one out of you know where. Oh, huh? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. And last question, unless you can get four for four. Okay. In what country was Christopher Columbus born? Uh, he was Italian. Yes. Did it. Yeah, you even though even though he went for Portugal or Spain, was it Portugal? Yeah, Spain, I, I think. You're the history buff. Yeah. I know nothing, but I am married to someone who knows a lot, and that's why well, I, I know, ask. I know four things today. <laughs> I ask the questions, you answer the questions. We never do it reversal because right. I know nothing. If it doesn't have to do with speech therapy, okay. autism, apraxia, yeah, I'm a big. Don't know. Okay, are you ready? We're gonna we're gonna talk about apraxia. Okay, um, this is kind of a strange word that many parents don't even hear until their speech therapist kind of mentions it one random day in speech therapy. So let's talk a little bit about what apraxia is in the speech therapy world. Apraxia is short for well, Jim. Let me ask you. Do you know what the full name of apraxia is? Um, no, I know C-A-S. it has. Okay, childhood apraxia of speech. There you go. Absolutely. I knew you'd know that. So CAS, um, childhood apraxia of speech. But 
as a, an SLP, we talk a lot about just apraxia. So when we mm-hmm. say that word, we're referring to childhood apraxia of speech. We did a previous episode where we talked about how apraxia can occur throughout the whole body, though. So, sure. um, But when we, as SLPs, say apraxia, we're talking about the verbal apraxia as it affects speech. So what do parents and caregivers need to understand about apraxia? Um, here we go. Uh, childhood apraxia of speech is a motor speech disorder that makes it difficult for children to learn to talk. Okay. Okay. And so uh, uh, frequently it doesn't really even become a concern for the um, uh, parents until maybe a pediatrician, you know, brings up like, oh, your child mm-hmm. should be saying more words by now. Right. Or maybe as a parent, you have a neighbor who has a child the same age and you notice kind of a discrepancy and like, a difference. Yeah, yeah. Like my child doesn't say any words yet. And the neighbor's child who is the same age, maybe is already saying, you know, 50 words. Mm-hmm. And so right. a lot of times it becomes um, a concern for parents when their child isn't developing speech as expected. And sometimes the pediatrician will bring it up, but rarely is apraxia the first thing a pediatrician brings up, right? Right, Usually they're just talking about, oh, maybe he's a little delayed or she's a little delayed with their speech development. Mm-hmm. So one another thing to know about CAS or apraxia is that it's neurologically based. And whenever we say the word neurological, I don't ever want parents to panic. I think when we say that word neurological, people think, oh, does that mean like intellectual disability, like cognitive impairment? Right. And that's not what neurological means. All we mean is that the difficulty with learning to talk, the difficulty start in the brain, it's not structural. So we mean it's not like a cleft lip. Right. or a cleft palate or you know right. tethering of oral tissues like a tongue tie or something like that. So sure. that would be structural. What we're saying is no, this doesn't appear to be structural. We are thinking there's something neurological, meaning the child is having difficulty getting the message from the brain to the mouth. Okay. So it's like a wiring so that's, problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Your, your neuro, neurology part. Yeah, okay. absolutely. We're, we're talking about, so that's what neurological means. It doesn't imply anything about intelligence or cognitive functioning. It just means the difficulties occur in the motor cortex in the brain. Okay. So simply put, this is the best way I've ever found to explain what apraxia is. It's when the brain says speak, mm-hmm. but the mouth doesn't respond. Okay. Wiring difficulty. Right. Yeah. So what we do in speech therapy then is we try to build new what we call synaptic connections. We try to help wire the brain so that when the ma- so when the brain says speak, we want the mouth to respond. Right. right? right. Okay. Um, another thing to understand because a lot of times on this podcast we're talking about autism. You know, that's right. a, one of our main topics, and we talk a lot about how autistic kids are wired differently. They are sure. what we call neurodivergent, mm-hmm. and I want parents to understand that if your child is diagnosed with apraxia. Uh, uh, kids with apraxia are neurodivergent. Okay, right. so they they are wired differently. They are going to learn differently. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that kids with apraxia may have um, other academic struggles related to reading, writing, and spelling. Sure. So it's just important to understand that a child with apraxia is a neurodivergent child, which simply means they learn and develop differently. From kids who don't have a diagnosis. Okay. What we would call neurotypical children. Right. Uh, concerns about apraxia typically arise when those, you know, when your toddler's first words aren't coming as expected. You start that conversation with your pediatrician or nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. You start talking to your neighbors. Eventually somebody goes, oh, my friend or my cousin or my aunt is a speech therapist, right? right. And so then the, the, the conversation kind of goes towards speech therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that children with apraxia of speech generally, not always, but generally, have a really good understanding of language and they know what they want to say. Okay. So it's usually not 
um, related to uh, receptive language, if you will. They have they have a good they want to express themselves, right? They've got language, they just don't have the speech component. And that's what's important for parents to understand is language and speech are not the same thing. Right. Right. So um, kids with apraxia tend to have really good um, ability to express themselves. They just don't happen to do it verbally. Right. Okay. They're not using their mouth Because words. language is... More bigger. than just speech communication. Absolutely. When you know, you and I, when we think about all the different ways we communicate, we use more than spoken words. Sure. Right. We use facial expressions. Right. Uh, that's a big one. That is with me. You know, that's a that's a big one. It, Jim has always said to me, Carrie, you know, you got to be careful because you yell with your face, uh, which I do. Nobody. Right. I wear my usually at me. Well, when I'm when I think something's ridiculous, though, but, I mean, I can't is, hide it. Th- this this is that's my area of expertise. Ridiculous. So. I do. I yell with my face a lot. So we use facial expressions. We use body language. Right. But we also use written. I mean, we send texts. We send emails. We leave notes. You sure. know, I mean, there's right. lots of ways that we communicate. We use gestures. Um, I, I mean, I have kids with apraxia who, very young children, who are some of the best pantomiming children I have ever met in my mm-hmm. life. They can yeah. tell you grammatically correct four and five word sentences using homemade gestures, homemade signs, you know, using yeah. pantomime. It's it's amazing. I always think about when, when you're talking about communication, I always think about Lassie, you know, and how the, how little Jimmy fell down in the well. Yes, and, and Lassie. And Lassie was like, rawr, 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 you know, or, and then just, you know, gestures and, okay, all right, we'll go. Let's go get him, Lassie. You know, that, what that a sort great, of thing. What a great explanation. I think that dates you, but yes, I... <laughs> Um, so they were reruns. Let's just they say that. Reruns. Oh, yeah. okay. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> no, that is an excellent, excellent analogy. I, I have this one little guy, um, that I used to see and I got to the home and he starts pointing out the window at the neighbor's house and all he's doing with his, with his voice is going, uh, uh, and that's just to get my attention. So he's pointing out at the neighbor's house, uh, uh, and then he makes a panting sound, <laughs> And then he touches his his bottom. He starts patting his bottom. And then he points out to the front yard, out their window at the front yard. And I looked at his mom and I said, is he telling me something about the neighbor's dog? And she said, oh, yes, that neighbor's big dog came and pooped in our front yard this morning. <laughs> and he told me this using pantomime, that's using awesome. gestures. Like, it's just amazing. So that's the thing to understand is kids with apraxia generally communicate quite well. They just don't do it with spoken words yet. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, children with apraxia have difficulty planning and sequencing the complex movements necessary to produce intelligible speech. Speech is one of the most finely tuned motor acts that human beings perform. Right. And so when there's any difficulty with motor planning, and what we mean is the motor cortex in the brain sends the message to the muscles, whether they're muscles in the mouth, muscles in the hands, muscles in the legs, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You have to motor plan those movements. Uh, and so when a child has a motor planning disorder, uh, that's where the breakdown occurs. I, I can't remember which uh, which presentation it is of yours, that you have the MRI oh. where it shows how the mouth, how the tongue moves, everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything is, is in... It's, it's amazing. It's so rapid, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and absolutely. It's like so precise, too. Absolutely. If you go um, to YouTube and just search for MRI of speech production, right. they, there's tons it's of them incredible. available. But I had Jim watch it the other day. I'm like, you got to see this because um, we, we always talk about speech requires rapid and accurate alternating movements of the articulator. So mm-hmm. it's about speed and agility. And right. that MRI, there will never be anything that shows 
how rapid speech movements are. Right. So if you have something that interferes with your ability to motor plan, those rapid and accurate right. and movements. Right, and there's such finite fi- movements. That's right. Like little tiny movements that make all the difference That's in right. the pronunciation like that. In you the know, pronunciation. Pronunciation yeah. of a word. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's talk about this a little bit, Jim. I love this. Um, just so you know, when we do these podcasts, I kind of have notes, and Jim has no idea what the notes no, are. No, I'm just... He just... He's he's just... He's my, he's the color guy. So yeah. He's yeah. just... It's yeah. So I'm going to have Jim try knowledge. something here. Okay. So all Jim right. doesn't know what's coming. Okay. So um, this is, since this... speech requires rapid and accurate alternating movements of the articulators... Uh-huh. Jim, I want to talk to you about something called diadococinetic rate. Okay. Okay. Um, and diadococinetic rate, it sounds fancy. It's fun to say. Um, but it measures a person's ability to make rapidly alternating spe- speech movements. And that's what you need to have intelligible speech. Right, I, know, I think people... I know the name of this thing. Yeah, yeah. So here we go. So, Jim, I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say pa. Pataka. Say pa. Pa. Ta. Ta. Ka. Pataka. Pataka, pataka, pataka. Now pataka, say it. Pataka. Okay. Pataka, so pataka, pataka, pataka. It's, yeah. So I want to explain to the listeners what we're doing. So it's pa, ta, ka. So it's front, mid, back. P is, is produced pa. in the front with the lips. T is produced ta. on the alveolar ridge with the tongue tip. And the K, ka, ka, is produced with the back of your tongue. Okay. It's a, it's a back or a guttural, a posterior sound. Okay. So when you move front, mid, back, pa, ta, ka, pa, ta, ka, there have been scientists who have spent their life's work norming putica, okay? How rapidly putica. you should be able to do that because when somebody has um, difficulty uh, with the neurological aspects of speech, diadocokinetic rate is how we measure that. And so uh, I want you to say putica as rapidly as you can. Just do it for a few seconds. Putica, 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 putica. Very good. Very good. So I will never forget, there was this little guy. He was four years old, and I was seeing him. He was years ago. And he was a kiddo who had phonological impairment, which just meant he left off the ends of all his words. So instead of saying boat, he said bow. Instead of saying dog, he said da. Mm -hmm. He had some other simplification processes that he was using. But this is not, phonological impairment is not, neurologically based okay and so I wasn't thinking apraxia because he had some very consistent patterns that he was using but there was something a little off about his speech and he had some inconsistent productions and Mm -hmm. so I thought to myself you know maybe this kiddo has some motor planning difficulties too so I asked him to say pa and ta and ka you have to be able to say all three sounds before you can measure putica so he could do it and I said now buddy I want you to put those together and I want you to say putica and what came out of his mouth, I, I wish it was back in the day when we like had smartphones and we could have recorded just, you know, the audio sure. of it because it was amazing. What came out was something like, he could never get putaka. He could never get it in the right sequence. And no matter what he did, he could not make his articulators, his lips, tongue, and jaw, do what his brain was telling him to do. Even though he could say the sounds in isolation. If I said pa, he said pa. If mm-hmm. I said ta, he said ta. So, right, he's got the sounds, but what he couldn't do is motor plan and so sequence them. It's sequence a sequencing. Okay. It's a coordination sequencing problem, right? And so that's what I want you all as parents and caregivers to think about is don't ever forget padaka, 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 padaka. It's about... So it's, that's a sequencing thing. It is. It's about getting sounds and syllables in the correct sequence. So it's about accuracy, but it's also about agility and so, sequencing. So the capital of sequencing should be paduka 
Paducah, Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, buttercup is another real word, yeah. and patty cake. So yeah. when you're when we're evaluating, see you're brilliant. When we're evaluating uh, very young children who we can't get them to produce paducah, 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 mm-hmm. we will try buttercup, paducah, patty cake. Because if you'll just do those in your mouth, you'll notice they do the same right. front, yeah. mid, mid, back. back. Yep, absolutely. Shout absolutely. out to Paducah. Paducah, Kentucky. Yes, yes. I, I'm going to Kentucky in July. Oh, are you? I don't know if I'm going. I'm going to Murray. Murray, Kentucky, oh, I think is yeah. where I'm going. going to go to be by the Murray State. Murray State. Yeah. Racers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. A couple more things about apraxia. Uh, very important to understand that you do not need strong articulators. Okay. What are articulators? This is speechy talk. Articulators refer to your lips, tongue, and jaw. Okay. Okay. Those are the things you need to be able to articulate. Okay. And you don't need strong articulators. What you need is agile articulators. Okay. Speed and agility. Okay. That's what we care about. Okay. Um, when can apraxia be diagnosed? This is a big, there's a big myth out there that you can't diagnose apraxia till age three. Mm-hmm. And that is not true. Uh, there is no specific age when you can diagnose apraxia. What we need is for a child to be able to attempt verbal imitation of a series of words. Because okay. as, as the speech therapist, we have to be able to do a dynamic motor speech assessment to either rule in or rule out apraxia. And so I need to be able to say a word and I need the child to be able to attempt to verbally imitate that. Okay. So because I work in early intervention with kids primarily under three, uh, a lot of times those toddlers don't have the ability to verbally imitate. And so okay. that's why right. we may not be able to give a firm diagnosis of childhood apraxia of speech with very young, minimally speaking children. But what we can do is work under uh, a working diagnosis or also called a provisional diagnosis of suspected childhood mm-hmm. apraxia of speech. So that okay. allows us to still use a motor-based approach and um, you know, allow us to try to help support that child's speech motor planning skills. Uh, so whether the child has a firm diagnosis of childhood apraxia of speech or whether we're using a provisional diagnosis of suspected childhood apraxia of speech, speech therapy must be based on the principles of motor learning. Okay. And so speech therapists have to have postgraduate training in motor learning, uh, because most of us did not get that in grad school. Okay. So it's very important. Um, uh, and another thing, and really this is kind of our last point here, because uh, I don't want to overwhelm parents with too much information in one episode, but apraxia isn't something your child outgrows. So with a child who is a late talker, mm-hmm. a child who has a speech and language delay, right. those children will likely catch up on their own if you put them in um, start providing kind of a language-rich environment. You know, if you read to them more, sing to them more, talk to them more, put them in preschool, you know, put them in, in a language-rich classroom where there's lots of other kids modeling, you know, you know speech and language. Sure. Um, late talkers will usually catch up on their own. Uh, okay. But apraxia is not, um, a child with apraxia is not a late talker. Okay. So there is no wait and see. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a child who is a late talker, we could say, well, let's give them three to six months. You know, mm-hmm. let's okay. um, give the parents some strategies to work on at home. Let's, you know, really increase um, the amount of, uh, let's decrease screen time, for example, and increase how much time we spend, you know, reading to the child and, and, and really mm-hmm. modeling language. And you can use the wait and see approach with some of your late talkers. How do you tell the difference? Well, that's what it takes a, a speech therapist, right? To be able to go in and look at development and be able to do an assessment to say, is this child following a typical pattern of development for speech 
mm-hmm. but they're just behind schedule. So okay. let's say I evaluate a two-year-old, and I at that evaluation, I think, you know, this child seems like they're developing all the milestones in the correct sequence. They just seem a little behind. So I would have pegged this child at closer to, let's say, 20 months of age instead of 24, okay. or 18 months instead of 24. Because as I look at milestones and do my, my assessment, I um, recognize that there's nothing that's really developing out of sequence. But when I evaluate a child with apraxia, their speech development has not been typical from birth. We okay. actually have research, good research, um, that uh, shares with us uh, the uh, traits of apraxia in children under age two. Okay. And I've shared it multiple times on on my Instagram page, you know, on okay. my Facebook, my uh, social media page. Uh, and so it's just it, the SLP is the only one who can really determine, you know, is this likely just a late talker uh, or does this child need speech therapy where we can get in there and start using a motor based approach? Okay. So there's a definite way to, to tell there the is okay. your SLP has to have, again, postgraduate training in sure. assessing and treating motor speech disorders because most SLPs, speech language pathologists, don't get intensive training okay. uh, when they are in grad school. So right. you're looking for those who do have postgraduate training. So parents, I want you to know that there is a website you can go to. It's apraxiakids.org. Apraxiakids.org. And they have a directory where you can find a speech language pathologist in your state, in your right. area, who mm-hmm. has specialized training in apraxia. So okay. that's what we do is we find somebody uh, who right. has that, uh, specializes in apraxia. Uh, as speech therapists, most of us don't specialize in everything. Like I specialize in apraxia, autism, and parent coaching, early intervention. That's right? actually quite a bit. It is. It's a lot. But <laughs> when you think of everything we have to know right. and we that, that we are um, licensed to be able to treat, yeah. uh, I say that's why I specialize. I'm not a jack of all trades. Right. Now your speech therapists who work in schools, they have to be jack of all trades because they have to be able to see right. every child that comes High school through their kids. door. Yeah, they have to be able to see yeah. kids with different diagnoses. Right. Uh, and so those of us in private practice, Practice, most of us choose to specialize. Uh, you know, we pick something uh, sure. that we're very passionate about. We continue to get ongoing uh, postgraduate training, you know, and, right. in those specific areas. So that's what you're really looking for if you're a parent is to find a speech language pathologist who has that extra training, who specializes uh, in childhood apraxia of speech. Hmm. Sound good? Awesome. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of SLP Talk Show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues to give us a listen. Now, get out there. Be kind. Be accepting. Be present. Put your screens down for a bit. Hang out with the people right in front of you. And please, please, please get your mammogram. Early detection can absolutely save your life. As an 11-year breast cancer survivor, I know it saved mine. So, until we meet again, cheers. Cheers.